Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. Today, we got a lot of indictment talk for you because, you know, we had to fit in our breaking news cocktail test before we could get to this. It's actually a scheduling conflict. I am on vacation this week, so we're slotting some other stuff in for you guys. Plus, it took all weekend for Vic to read 45 pages. So here we who are. Said, who says I read it? <laughs> Uh, I'm here as always with my co-host, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. How you doing, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I'm sure our listeners were wondering last week, wait a minute, this indictment came down. It's a big deal. How come we're doing canned cocktails? And the answer, folks, is priorities. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's a more pressing issue about what you're going to drink before we get into discussing sort of the politics and of the honestly, now you now honestly, you can oh, do both i just had a brilliant idea yes what do you in have? the future our next taste test should be indictment and drink pairings yes that's good that's <laughs> that, that's that's very what good would you pair with a january 6th election fake electors indictment i'd hate to hear what you'd pair with the stormy daniels one i don't know i don't know i don't know maybe orange blossom you know <laughs> So the, which, by really the way, know. that that, ever, that that emerged from the '70s, so it's kind of you know, sex on the beach. You never okay, know. Okay, okay, right, I like here it. We go. Here we go. Okay, we'll work on that for you guys. Okay, yeah, we got. It. How's how's it going, Vic? Oh yes, it's going otherwise fine, Mary Catherine. I did want to give a quick Burton on the water update, which is I spoke to my in-laws recently, and there was no mention of the book. So here's my theory. My theory is I left it for my father-in-law. I think he took the book. And he hid it because the truth would be so shocking. It's like the end of that M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Village. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you have to hide the truth in the, the little lockbox and then put it in the closet. I and gotcha. I think that's where it is. And uh, that's that's the latest. So it, it is not being mentioned at all. At all. And other than that, arms feeling fine after that opening pitch. As there you, know. you go. There you and go. How how are you? I'm good. My My house is so quiet right now do you want to know Ooh, why why there are no children in it they you've already sent them away i've sent them away so this oh is a goodness. this is a massive undertaking yes where probably this is like one of those once every 10 year projects mm -hmm. right we're gonna mm -hmm. get away we're going to europe it's just my husband and me crazy i know we had to plan this by the way while i was still pregnant and my friend guy benson is like would you consider coming on this with us and i was like that sounds great, but I don't know that I can predict that I'd be fine with leaving four kids somewhere or that my grandparent, the grandparents in the family would be okay with it. Ah! But we made the plan and we got the kids split. Okay. So nobody has too much of a burden. We got big kids with my parents. We've got little kids with his parents. We got the au pair helping out. Like we're, we're in a, I think we have divided and conquered well enough to give everybody a reasonable amount of work. Uh, I have a question too, really. Well, do you feel right now with the kids away that like, I need to be doing something? What is it? I feel like I should be doing something. And do you miss them yet? Yes. And I do need to check in today. I didn't check in last night before they had gone to bed because I drove them down to the grandparents' house and then flew back so they can have a car, they can you know go yeah. get around with the babies and all that. And I flew back and it was late before I got back. So I didn't get to check on them. I did take, I took pictures of them yesterday so I could just like, oh. remember them where they're mm -hmm. in their, in their new digs where they're very happy and excited to be uh, a little bit indulged by their grandparents. Oh, wait, they're going to, 
they're going to have a blast. And I, the big kids are going yeah. to camp too. So it's a great situation. For them. I remember when our kids were very small and you'd go away maybe for a week, you'd come back. I actually would look at them and think that they looked different. Like oh, they grew. I have a suspicion that the baby's going to crawl while I'm gone. Oh, boy. I think that's probably going to happen. So good luck to everyone taking care of him now. He's, <laughs> he'll be fine. He'll be fine. So that's what we got going on. And so as a result, we have like a slightly different episode schedule. Than I hope you're having a wonderful time. I'm sure that I am. I'm sure that I am. <laughs> I'm actually almost packed and we're, we're leaving late today. So I feel like that's, I'm ahead of the game. I'm ahead of the game. Don't forget your passport. That, I, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to remember it, but Steve will. Oh, Steve also That's got in job. touch about our cocktail episode. Oh. And, and noted that the Quick. drink you referred to, which is the combination of all the shots. Oh, yes. Is, is sometimes referred to as a New Jersey turnpike, a legendary oh. drink typically reserved for a person on the losing side of a bet. And that sometimes it can come from the the bar rag or yep. it can come the well. from the drippings from the well and that he has in fact had one as a part of a losing bet before man that must have been quite something you're gross yeah yeah lovely delicious all right so shall we chat about this yield indictment We're on number what now? This is three. This is number three, and I think four is on the way. Four is probably next week. You yeah. never know. So this one's interesting to me. <laughs> I just love that we're <laughs> we're parsing indictments at this point. It's like, yes. No, number three. Here's the show on number three. And by the way, even as somebody who follows the news constantly, it is taxing to keep track of each scandal and whether which whether parts of it are true or not, whether it's Russiagate, Hunter, Hunter's laptop, Hunter's plea deal, uh, the yeah. Burisma stuff, the, Devin ori Archer. the original impeachment of Trump based on the Burisma stuff, like That's Devin right. Archer, this impeachment, the Alvin Georgia Bragg. impeach, I mean, the, this indictment, the Georgia indictment, the Alvin Bragg. Right. I'm tired, Vic. Right. I'm tired. It is a lot. It is a lot. And the, the answer is Theranos. I believe that's the answer. I'm sorry. It's all, at the end of the day, that's the, oh, uh, uh, it's their notes. Okay. Okay. So what's interesting to me about this indictment is that it, it was previewed as the January 6th indictment. Yeah. But in fact, the most sort of audacious charges, the ones that much of the media wanted imposed on Trump, seditious yeah. conspiracy and incitement. incitement. Those were left on the table. Right. I think wisely because incitement, really high bar as it should be. Same with sedition. Like, I just don't think these were going to fly. And clearly Jack Smith did not think that either. Instead, we have several charges that stem from the attempts to create alternate slash fraudulent mm -hmm. slates of electors sure. to report sure. to the Congress and attempt to have Mike Pence Installed, which them. I believe actually happened in 1876 with dual uh, slates of electors. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So this did, that did not happen here. The system worked, but go ahead. Please. Well, so that and that was the other thing. What came through to me too? I'll, I'll say my my major two takeaways. Trump is a person who makes horrible, horrible decisions. Yeah, and it reminded me Terrible how bad his how bad his behavior was, Awful. and that I think. The electorate was correct, including the Republican electorate, and being 
very averse to him shortly after this happened, yeah. right? Now, they didn't stay there. They didn't right, stay no. in that moment. No, because he's coming um, back. He makes terrible decisions. He listens to the wrong people. He shops for opinions that reflect the opinion or the facts that he wants to see. Yeah. And then he basically viewed the presidency of the United States and the winning thereof as a sort of a negotiation with movable boundaries right. that he could massage as needed. And that's not, that's very bad. That's very, very bad. And then the other thing that I noted was that in each case, in each of the states that they run through, mm -hmm. Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, that each segment says, you know, he asked the Secretary of State of Arizona right. and the Secretary of State says no. He asked somebody, the Secretary of State in Georgia and Raffensperger says, no, sir. Michigan, the House Speaker says, love Mr. Trump, President Trump, I voted for him, but right. we cannot do this. This is the republic at stake. Pennsylvania, four Republican leaders of the legislature yep. release a statement that says, nope, can't do that. Wisconsin, the governor releases a statement. <laughs> like This is, in many cases, his either his backers yeah. or just Republican elected right. officials. Trump appointed judges. Throughout, holding yeah. the line and saying, no, we do not do business this way, with the culminating act, of course, Mike Pence's, which was quite brave, in saying, absolutely not, I do not have the power to do this. People are yelling that they're going to, they want to kill him. Yeah, yeah. And he said, Hang nope, I will not do it. That's right. I thought that the Bragg, the Alvin Bragg charge against Trump regarding the payment, the indirect payment to Stormy Daniels was the worst of the indictments. But this is, right. this is up there now. Okay, so I'd say at the bottom is Alvin Bragg, but just right. barely above that. Is indictments indictment. ranked with indictments Vic and MK. Ranked. That's right. That's right. Number four, number three, number two. It's because, well, the first thing is it's always worth mentioning that Jack Smith, this is, I think there's a lot of grandstanding going on here and that when you get to it, he doesn't have a great track record. You remember he tried to prosecute the former Virginia governor, Bob McDonald. Yes. You know? a, a famously, yeah, is, was it unanimous? Was it was, it was it eight zero. Yeah, the, unanimously the overturned Court. by the Supreme Court. The Supreme and Court. For, for what, by the way? For turning what basically was freedom of speech and yeah. regular politicking into a criminal charge. Right, right. Prosecutorial overreach, I think, was the term. And it had to do with him, his wife, Star Scientific, all these sort of really, you know, tawdry things, you know, like inappropriate, be inappropriate actions, but at the same time, overreach. And he got shot down by the Supreme Court. Eight zero. He doesn't have the backing of the January 6th commission because the January 6th commission itself could not make this link between, say, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers right. to Donald Trump, him saying, get out there and do this thing and go in there. They, I'm sure they would have loved to. That was the whole point of the committee, but they didn't do that. And as a result, even though Jack Smith opened his statement announcing the indictment, talking about the horror of January 6th, this has nothing to do with the day itself of January 6th. Which, by 6th. the way, I, I think cuts against him as totally. a presentation of the, the charges, right? right. It, it, let's deal with the charges at hand and acknowledge, mm -hmm. again, this is one of those things where I'm so torn on the January 6th discussion because it, when it was happening, it was horrifying. That was horrendous. It was awful. It was, it was an attack mm -hmm. on 
Demo- that, that's like an actual attack on a democracy, yeah. not the made up ones that they uh, no. And about I know Russia. I know people. I'm not going to say their names who would tell me. Well, not everyone was. You know, they some of them were tourists. They were walking in, saying, "Oh, what's this?" And they were just walk- roaming through the capital. And other people say that they saw you know, truckloads of Antifa get unloaded in disguise in order to do the thing in cooperation with the FBI and that this whole thing was all against Trump. But I'm not not going to go there. Uh, As as with all of these things, it's somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say there were no Antifa, but let's let's not get carried away here. Okay. The assessment is somewhere in between. Trump supporters' defense of this as a nice day at the Capitol with some yes. tourists, which absolutely was not. Yes. Some of the people were just sort of wandering about mm-hmm. and not doing a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. And do I wonder if some of them should be sitting in prison for 18 months awaiting trial? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Maybe some cashless bail for those guys. Right. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have Michael Fanone, who was one of the officers attacked that day, who is now a CNN contributor, and he had this to say about the indictment, which is just the other end of the spectrum. And he just he's just going to give us the comparison of a lifetime. Here we go. When I first learned about the indictment, um, I had a long conversation with a friend of mine, Ryan Riley, and uh, I told him how proud I felt uh, to be an American at that moment, uh, much in the way that I did uh, when I learned that uh, our military had killed Osama bin Laden. Um, I just felt incredibly proud. These two um, seem incredibly to proud you? to have been. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but the, why? Why are that? Why that comparison <clears throat> in particular? I believe they're comparable. In what way? Absolutely. So I'm not on either end of those the spectrum. His interlocutor in CNN, she's just nodding along, like, "Oh yeah, okay." You know, because I think they sort of feed it to you. Please tell us why. And we're not going to say this is out of control and ridiculous. But no. Yeah. You know, Osama bin yeah, Laden, think, Donald Trump. I think that comparison yeah. is, a, is a little much, even though I have my many, many issues. So uh, the, the, the big issue I have with this indictment is you're trying to what Jack Smith is supposed to do. What he needs to do is show intent. Right. He has right. to be able to show that Donald Trump actually was saying, you know what? Maybe he told this to Mark Meadows, who, by the way, is not mentioned in any of these. Right. You know, he 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 may be cooperating, but what he needs is some sort of evidence, either from a witness or audio or video, or whatever, of Trump saying, "Wow, I really lost that election." But you know what? I want to hang on to power, so let's see what I can do here. That's the intent. It is very hard to prove that he did not believe that the yes. election was stolen. Because I'm pretty sure he's told everybody, and I believe that Trump believes the election was stolen, right? And you have some legal counsel telling him, look, it's meritless. You're not going to win. And the election was not stolen. But then there were still others, you know, whether it be Sidney Powell or John Eastman. And he's just going to go with that. And you can't actually get somebody on the charge of, oh, he was, you know, he, he was wrong because he didn't believe that he lost the election and that somehow should put you away. Now, the, the problem is, of course, we contest elections all the time, you know, certainly uh, going back in recent memory to the year 2000 and in 2004, mm-hmm. if you just because you question it doesn't mean that you, could, you should be charged with, with, with right. I believe the crime is in this case, defrauding the United States of America. Right. And, 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 and again, the, the, the votes, I mean, Joe Biden was still elected 
uh, president of the United States. So it did not affect the votes in any of these states. It, right. It had it not, I mean, it, otherwise maybe he'd, he'd have a case, but yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're correct that it's, it is very hard to decide what Trump believed because Trump often believes what it suits Trump to believe. Yeah. Right. Sure. And their, their argument in the indictment is that every time he's told that these things are false, mm -hmm. he then re repeats the charges as if they are true. So their allegation is right. Like he was told these things were wrong and he kept saying them, right. except he was also told those things were right. Yeah. By the people he preferred to talk to. And that's, um, that's his prerogative. And if he feels like he has been wronged and if he believes that the election is stolen, then it's within his power to, to, to ask, you know, governors or a department of justice. Hey, can you look into this? Because I think that the election was stolen. Now, I'm not saying that I think that, obviously, but if he right. thinks that, I just don't see how you can charge him with defrauding well, America. And I also know that intent is, is a part of a lot of laws and you have to determine yeah. if he believed it for that reason. I do think when you're talking about what is largely political speech, each of the yeah. each of the incidents here, with the exception of a few where he's I, I actually thought were the were the more interesting parts where he's signing documents into court. Mm -hmm that assert that he, that these things are true. Like, I think that's mm -hmm. more likely to be something yeah. that is not outside the realm yeah. of political speech and therefore maybe more likely to be criminal. But a lot of the stuff is just like, he issued a tweet. I'm like, great. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, even if I think that tweet is horrendous, yeah. which with many of them mm -hmm. I do, even if he thinks that is not true, he can tweet it. He's a politician. Yeah. Yeah. Politicians often say things they think are untrue, and it's been tested at the Supreme Court whether they can do right. that. Right. And in fact, they can. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's the thing, too. This was this is a grand jury that uh, went forward with uh, this indictment, which we think is you know un ridiculous. But it's Washington D.C., which, as you know, voted ninety-seven percent for Biden. You know, so the old indict a ham sandwich line, that's true here. And I think it's going to go beyond indictment. I think that even if you were to say that you cannot prove, you know, intent that he wanted, you know, that he actually knew he lost and that he was still trying to illegally hang on to power. Right. I think that grand jury in D.C., if they get to that point, they'll find him guilty. That's my well, belief. And the judge, both the judge and the jury are not going to be on his side from what I understand. And. He's so he's facing multiple indictments. There's also then the, what gets brought up is the question of due process for Trump. Yeah. How much time does he have to prepare for three right. three different you know cases right now? The most serious of which I still think is the Mar-a-Lago documents case. On on this front, by the way, Hugh Hewitt asked me on his show last week if if I thought that Trump could get a fair trial in D.C. or if it should be moved. And I said, I I truly don't think he can get a fair no. trial in D.C. It's 97% blue, as you note. Yeah. It's extremely politically involved people. Half of the people on the jury, perhaps more, will be either married to, sleeping with, or friends with, mm -hmm. someone involved <laughs> tangentially yeah, sure. in this thing. There's a very small cast of characters, and they cross paths. Mm -hmm. And... But the thing about it is that, and this is my issue with all of the attempts to get Trump, not all of them, actually, I think that the facts in the documents case are pretty bad and like warranted right. for, for an indictment, warranted indictment. But in many of the attempts to get Trump, they don't care if the 
trial is fair or if the process is fair, because being unfair to Donald Trump is just. Yeah. Being fair to Donald Trump is oh, a right. subversion of democracy. Right. right. So Offering I, him the same protections that others get is a, is bad. That's that's a dereliction of duty. And so to do the wrong thing and give him an unfair trial is actually the right thing. That's that's where most of the commentary it is. Yes. I, I do. I do appreciate they always prep. Let me just say everybody has their day in court, you mm -hmm. know, but then we're getting into. But then you get into the realm of like Nancy Pelosi, you know, her line about, you know, you know, you know, you, you have a right to uh, prove your innocence. Yes. <laughs> which is really that, that's how that's that's where well, we are right now interestingly you know? the indictment itself says the defendant had a right like every american to speak publicly yeah, about the election and right. even to claim falsely that there had been outcome determinative fraud during the election and that he had won he was also entitled to formally challenge the results of the election through lawful and appropriate means but then it goes on to indict him for doing those things yeah so i just I'm not sure how that works out. If it's not in D.C., it likely will end up in D.C. And again, this is all stipulating that this behavior is terrible. Yes. No, again, I want to I want I want to uh, reiterate how we feel about this, which was that his behavior was atrocious. I mean, he is the angry baby and he, you know, says things that, you know, just really work against him. They're, he's not helping himself with his mouth. Yeah. Well, and the, yeah. the thing is that, uh, like I said, like the institutions and this is the case throughout throughout. Donald Trump's pres presidency is we were often talking about him attempting yeah. to subvert institutions and the ins institutions holding. Yeah. I would say the institutions that haven't held are like the GOP <laughs> that continues to have him top of the heap. Yeah. Right. But that's like, that's well, they're all governed by voters. That, right. That's right. And then the other institutions that didn't hold are ironically the ones that created Russiagate that yeah. have, done the brag indictment. Those are the institutions that didn't hold by over using right. their power to go after this guy that they claim is a threat to democracy. I mean, the weird thing is, speaking of Russiagate, and this is a very, very quick tangent here, it's becoming, through Devin Archer's testimony, it's becoming more and more apparent that Biden did intervene to get the prosecutor in the Burisma case in Ukraine fired, I think. But right. these things are still, they're developing and it's not good. But as you say, it's a mess all around. For the Republican Party, the problem is, again, Trump, you know, there are, there's a large segment of the Republican vote that is going to him. And they feel very strongly about him. And, they, and I, I, don't, I don't blame them for feeling that he's being railroaded. This is a guy who they feel represents him, stands up for the little guy. And, and who actually has is, been railroaded on several occasions. Yeah. And so it's like, this is actually happening. And so if you're a Republican primary candidate or if you're in within the Republican Party, higher up echelons here in D.C., you think twice before saying anything against Donald Trump. And but this is certainly a case where even critics can say, you know, that this even Bill Barr or, or Chris Christie could say, well, you know, we don't like him and he does terrible things. But these particular in indictments, this particular indictment is questionable at best. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. So. All you get now, though, is this news cycle where the, the left wants to talk about Trump, Trump wants to talk about Trump, and the media wants to talk about other candidates' reactions to Trump to put right. them on the record of where do they stand as Trump sympathizers. It's a bad cycle to be in. Yep. I'm just going to say yep. that. Well, and it serves, it serves Democrats oh, for the general election, obviously, because oh, yeah. 
the more you, the more he talks about himself mm -hmm. and the more he Republicans rally to him, the mm -hmm. greater chance of him being the general electorate election candidate, Nominee, that's right. at which point, at which point it becomes easier for a very decrepit and possibly yeah. corrupt Joe Biden right. to win. Again, he sees that the polls are close, but maybe the plan is if you want to really put on a, your, your, your conspiracy hat here is that we get, they get Trump to the point where he is the nominee because they want him to be the nominee. And then he goes to jail. So, you know, <laughs> but again, I don't see any of this really happening or resolving in 2024, particularly the Mar-a-Lago case because of classified documents and both sides, the, and the defense needs to have time to look over what sort of classified documents are being in question here. And, and there's appellate review. It's very complicated and it's not going to be resolved. And that this is going to be the subject of the news into the election year. Yeah. Well, again, one of, one of the problems with putting on trial your actual yeah. likely competitor yeah. for the presidency yeah, of the United States. Like, and can, can I say also, maybe wait a couple days before the new indictments, guys, when they come the day after something has blown up negatively for Biden. For, yeah. It tells me that they don't even care to care about yeah. the optics anymore. No, and it's that, like, well, no, this is, again... Democracy dies in the darkness. This is a battle. This is, again, as Margaret Sullivan said, you know, and when she was the ombudsman of the Post, and I say this all the time, enough of this sort of both sides giving, you know, talking about, you know, being even handed. No, there's a good, there's a right side and a wrong side. And you got to no, take the right is, side. This is a battle. Unfair to yeah. Donald Trump is, is just. Yeah, that's right. Right. That's, that's yeah. what's required. And then, um, and whoever, and, and if it's not Trump, I, again, I guarantee you, whoever is the next candidate will be considered worse than Trump. Right. So. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So but that seems unlikely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Turley, by the way, who I respect and mm. his take on these things, he's a, a law professor at George Washington yeah. University. He notes the free speech issues with this. The hatred for Trump is so all-encompassing all that legal experts on the political left have ignored the chilling implications of this indictment. This complaint is based largely on statements that are protected under the First Amendment, it would eviscerate free speech and could allow the government to arrest those who are accused of spreading disinformation in elections. And as we know from the past three years, disinformation ain't always all it's cracked up to be, according to the government. Often those things are true. And I know that many of our friends on the left don't really look past this thing mm -hmm. and they feel quite secure that the DOJ belongs to them and will never come after them. But I would caution that making... Statements from politicians actionable criminally yeah. could set a bad precedent. Oh, yeah. Even though yeah. even though I would like Trump punished, I would like Trump punished by the mm -hmm. electorate, which happened in 2020 and will probably happen in 2024 again. The, yes. yes. I'd like him punished by our electorate. By right. The, and they by can the just right make that decision. But, you know, and then again, the question is, who are the arbiters of truth? You know, yeah. and they're the ones who are going to decide and be able to say, you know, your freedom of speech is no longer free because, you know, yeah, whatever it's like, it's incitement not, or it's within or your rights to be mistaken because it's a danger public. because they're causing harm yeah. or something. It's it's within your rights to be mistaken in public. Yeah. And even even to be delusional in public and even to lie in public. Yeah. Those things For are protected. Yeah. Just a just a note on the, the polling on these. Oh, these, yeah. These, these geezers who are likely our top candidates. Let's see. New charges against Trump. The charges are 65% say very or somewhat serious. And I think that's because, look, they're not parsing the indictment. No, they're they're looking at January 6th. They hear January yeah, 6th yeah, and they go, sure. what he did was bad. That's right. It. And now he's been indicted for it. Right. 
17% not serious at all. So that's the, the, the split on that. Should Trump have been charged? 52% yes, 32% no. Impression of Donald Trump. Are you ready for yes. this one? Favorable, 30%. Unfavorable, 59%. Yeah. 59%. A, a politician who flips that number and gets to 59% favorables is basically a political genius. I, That's he, So he is the opposite. Yeah. He's yes. the opposite of that. Who is going to cr- who is crushing the competition right now? So uh, you think so- about Nikki Haley, you think about Tim Scott, you think about Chris Christie or whoever. And no question, he's white. Yeah. This Ron DeSantis. He's and way again, ahead. we're in this we're in this perfect storm where everything, all these things work for him in a GOP mm-hmm. primary and against him in the general electorate. However, I have good news for Trump, and it is this impression of President Biden: thirty three percent favorable, fifty two percent unfavorable again if you flipped that and you got 52 yeah. percent favorables you'd be yeah. you'd be yeah. skating man it you're is, doing great 52 percent right, and that's that, an abc poll it, by the yes way. and that's also you know the 52 percent unfavorable that's with a, a, a large chunk of the media on your side yeah giving you the benefit of the doubt not covering carefully or as intently as other networks the irs whistleblowers Devin archer or anything else so uh, even with that. Yes. Yeah. Before we move on to 2024 repercussions and new 2024 news, because I do want to allow for the fact that there might be other things happening in the 2024 sure. field, even though we're not going to talk no. about them in general. I did want to give a rare, you love to hear it, to David Brooks in the New York Times. Oh, <laughs> for his column? You, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Are you ready know, for yeah, this? Of course. Yeah. Okay, just allowing for this, okay? He says... Donald Trump seems to get indicted on a weekly basis, yet he's utterly dominating his Republican rivals in the polls. He's trying to puzzle puzzle this out. What's going on here? And he says, we anti-Trumpers often tell a story to explain that. It was encapsulated in a quote the University of North Carolina political scientist Mark Hetherington gave to my colleague Thomas B. Edsel recently. Republicans see a world changing around them uncomfortably fast, and they want it to slow down, maybe even take a step backward. But if you are a person of color, a woman who values gender equality, or an LGBT person, would you want to go back to 1963? I doubt it. That's good. Great intellectual stuff there. Just that's my, that's my editorializing. In this story, says Brooks, we anti-Trumpers are the good guys, the forces of progress and enlightenment. The Trumpers are reactionary bigots and authoritarians. Many Republicans support Trump no matter what, according to this story, because at the end of the day, he's still the bigot in chief, the embodiment of their resentments, and that's what matters to them most. I partly agree with this story, but it's also a monument to elite self-satisfaction. So let me try another story on you. I ask you to try on a vantage point in which we anti-Trumpers are not the eternal good guys. In fact, we're the bad guys. <laughs> and he, he goes on to explain how basically every, every, every goodness in America, like economic prosperity, all the things that, that, that the elites say right. are the American dream, are born of this elite class and its high level of academic achievement. He says, the ideal that we're all in this together was replaced with the reality that the educated class lives in a world up here Mm -hmm. and everybody else is forced into a world down there. Members of our class are always publicly speaking out for the marginalized, but somehow we always end up building systems that serve ourselves. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Uh, He has a line in there, by the way, we, the educated class, and that really set off a lot of people, but it is, it is interesting because that is a very common attitude. I'll give 
David for being David and, and who's a friend of mine. I, I give him credit for being able to call himself out on it, even if it's very sort of gingerly, indirectly saying yes. somehow, somehow we benefit ourselves and our kids. Hey, but you know, and we're all you know surrounded what? by our Ivy League buddies. And that's who takes over America. And that's it's a self-propagating. Also, you have to keep in mind the audience, which is the New York oh, Times. Oh, yes, the New York Times. So I'm sure and they're the outraged only, by this column. The only How way to approach that? that is to gingerly yes. proffer no, I think that there might be another way of thinking. Yeah. We out here <laughs> are going to say this is absurd, the way he formulated this. But of course, you're right with the New York Times. It's, it's, it's the same thing with Maureen Dowd's column about the seventh grandchild for yep. Joe Biden. I know a lot of people who said they had no idea until that column. Yeah, this is all anecdotal, of course. But I'll tell you this, for example, a friend of mine, going back to David's column, a friend of mine was talking about the, you know, problems in society stemming from basically male non-college Americans, just Mm -hmm. non-college males who don't go to college. Right. And that the problem is they're the source of violence and all these other issues in this country. If only they went to college. You know, mm, it's, yes, that would solve it. Yeah. And, th- yeah. and as if there's only this small chunk of America who didn't go to college when it's well, fact- and also, also, non college males are demonstrably being failed, yeah, by the yeah, exact yeah. people yeah, yeah. that David Brooks mm-hmm. is talking about. They have no ideas for them, no, as he as he notes, he's he talks about how they've put themselves, they've sequestered themselves in San Francisco and Austin and DC and New York, yep. armed with all kinds of economic, cultural, and political power. We support policies that help ourselves. Free trade makes the products we buy cheaper, and our jobs are unlikely to be moved to China. Open immigration makes our service staff cheaper, but new, less educated immigrants aren't likely to put downward pressure on our wages. On our wages, like all elites, we use language and mores, more or do you say mores or mores? Mores. Anyway, people say it to me as tools to recognize one another and exclude others. Using words like problematic, cisgender, Latinx, and intersexual is a sure sign that you've got cultural capital coming out of your ears. Meanwhile, members of the less educated classes have to walk on eggshells because they never know when we've changed the usage rules so that something that was sayable five years ago now gets you fired. You love to hear it. Thank you, David Brooks. That is a real thing. That is the remnants of old weekly standard in David. And (laughs) no, it's like the bottom line is, yes, yeah, we know better than you. That's the thing. You know, yeah. of course, we're going to say you might not you you may be you may be from these countries and speak Spanish, but and we're not. And but we know that you should be saying Latinx because yeah. that's the right thing to do until we, tomorrow. We'll it, tell you when it's wrong. But it's a it's a toxic combo yeah. to tell a bunch of people we know better than you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You are bad racist dum-dums. Yeah. And further, we're not actually going to implement anything to help you. Yeah. Or even recognize that your suffering might be real. Right. No. There was a great line from Crystal Ball right after the 2016 election in an attempt to reckon with the Donald Trump win. And I thought it was one of the better attempts. I believe she wrote it for Huffington Post. And I'm paraphrasing a bit, but she says something along the lines of, you know, the people of Pennsylvania, for instance, one of the key states in Donald Trump's win at that time, particularly white, non-college educated people, said, hey... (laughs) We got some real problems out here with the economics and the opiates and the overdosing and the crime and sort of just the falling apart of what we thought was the American deal. And we told them, she says, as a member of the Democratic Party, we told them uh, that we were going to lecture them about their white privilege. Yeah. And I there's something to that. Right. And it's it's not a 
it's not a always a winning electoral play. Right. And and then and then you lop on top of that our recommendation of less police, that'll make you safer. And more drug legalization, that'll make you safer. And we're not or, gonna prosecute fentanyl dealers. Okay. Or my personal favorite. How about if we take a bunch of your tax money and give it to the people who did go to college and didn't pay for it? Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> the great choices. Well, I appreciate David Brooks for that and for the fleeting encounter that the New York Times readers will have with another point of view. They may also have a fleeting encounter with another point of view when I am on Ezra Klein's show at some point in the near future. I taped that a week or two ago. Oh so you guys oh can check that out. Where, where I gingerly proffer that there might yeah. be other ways of thinking of things. <laughs> be amazing if there were another way but i can't see that okay i know i do it's it's uh it's impossible right okay what do we got up next let's see you wanted to talk about desantis newsom are they debating i think you wanted to <laughs> oh yeah that's the oh, other 2024 yeah. news yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know what if this is old by the time it comes out <laughs> so be it that debate was I... great <laughs> i can't believe so Oh, well, man, it is interesting. destroyed him. <laughs> because this has been uh, a topic of conversation for some time because it's been proposed several times. And now it appears that DeSantis has said, look, I would, I would definitely debate him on Hannity. Mm -hmm. I believe those are the terms. Which, well, I feel you like know, go ahead. It, no, it, it it sounds a little lopsided, but of course, Newsom was just on Hannity. And so he thinks mm -hmm. that he'll be, you know, it's a big audience. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was thinking the only alternative is if, you know, you're outside in some public square like the old Lincoln-Douglas debates. You know, you can do that. Yeah. You can go to Quincy, Illinois. You could just do it there, you know. So He says, DeSantis says, absolutely, I'm game. Responding when Hannity asked him about a debate with Newsom. Let's get it done. Just tell me when and where we'll do it. Hannity first proposed moderating, moderating a Fox News debate between the two governors when Newsom appeared on his show. In June, at the time, Newsom said he was all in and would be willing to spar with DeSantis for three hours. Honestly, like, there's a part of me that thinks that that might be good for the country. Like, a, like the, sure, you two, you two just debate for three hours. I'll oh, watch wait, it. Like a quote-unquote honest exchange of ideas? No, that's not going to... I, I mean, mean the, the, the we, can't really, yeah. we can't really be that mature. It won't be that. The San is... I can't imagine him not wanting to debate Newsom or anybody for that matter because he also needs to debate. He needs to yes. be in front of the cameras right now and considering the low position that he is in, in the polls and it could be just the right thing, assuming he does well, to uh, reboot his uh, campaign. But remember, for example, Vice President Kamala Harris, she was asked about debating DeSantis over Florida educational standards. And she said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, yes. I'm not going to help promote that fascist right winger, you know? Yeah. Well, what, what she mag. said, what she said was the, the, the upshot of that was I will fly to Florida last minute to smear this group of scholars who created yeah. this and the entire state of Florida and the governor's entire administration. But I will not come back once challenged to have quote, unnecessary debates that right. I started with a giant lie. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> not that part. Not that part. But I don't know. I mean, look, if you had a, if you had a debate between DeSantis and Newsom, I mean, you can't help but think that DeSantis would do really well because there's one very basic question, which is why are all the people leaving your state? 
Yes. You know, and there well, was some and, excitement and, over the false, the fake news, the disinformation that people were leaving Florida. But the fact is people are leaving California in droves. And why is that? Is it Trump? What's the reason? So, yeah. Well, and I think the reason I would kind of like this in theory mm -hmm. is that it's two very different, very clear visions for the future of this country. And Trump and Biden neither believe much of anything mm -hmm. nor can communicate much of anything except for insulting the other one or sort of mumbling. Those yeah. two could actually have an exchange. You know, what we're talking DeSantis about people that who articulates two different visions. Right. We're not talking about septa slash octogenarian debates going on and no offense to people of that. I love them. But, you know, it, you, it would be great to see, I don't know, somebody in their 50s yes. and 60s. With, with all due debate. respect, of course, to the exception to the rule, which is Chuck Grassley, who runs four miles every every it's, morning at four a.m. Like Ninety. And, He's sharp. He's and sharp. When, he is. And when he look, the day he stops running his four a.m. miles, I will allow for some that's some it. different commentary right. on Chuck Grassley. But as of now, he's my exception. Yes, that's right. <laughs> not not Mitch McConnell, but Chuck Grassley. Okay. Well, and we wish him the best, by the way. Did you want to did you want to talk about teenage boys being conservative? This is a thing. Yeah, so there's there's some polling that's been trending this way for a while, but it's it's pretty stark uh how much more often high school aged boys identify as conservative versus high school aged girls yeah. identifying as liberal. They the they are far apart and moving further apart as they go. Now, this does not mean that every high school boy is conservative. In fact, the polling shows that many, many high schoolers, as it should be when you're in high school, aren't exactly identifying passionately right. as either political persuasion. However, high school boys are, I think, several times more likely, twice as likely, to identify as conservative than liberal girls are almost three times as likely to identify as liberal as conservative. The stark gender divide found in a 2022 University of Michigan survey of high school seniors has sparked concern from across the political spectrum. A trend of boys becoming more conservative seems to show everything from proof that young men are becoming fascists, this is reporting in reason.com, to the likely fall in marriage rates. But they sort of downplay it and say, look, not all these guys are politically engaged. I do think, though, the, the turn to the right from young men, mm -hmm. again, speaks to this sort of political market failure where they have not been served. And so they edgelorded up. And this is not to excuse anybody's behavior when they turn more radical, but they are looking for a community or a political persuasion that values them. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, Basically, there is a there's a there has been for some time now a war against boys, right? I mean, this right. is like many years ago. Christina Hoff Summers wrote about this, I believe. And unless you happen to identify as a girl or non-binary, you feel like everyone's blaming everything on you, you know. And if you happen to be white, then you're also being told that you're inherently racist, even if you aren't. And so, I, I think that there's this inclination to push back, unless you have been successfully brainwashed. Your brain is telling you none of this makes sense because you know, you have all these various, you know, months devoted to various, you know, groups except you. And so I think that all adds up. It's interesting because the earlier polling had indicated, for example, like in the late 1970s, mid to late 1970s, boys and girls both identified as being more liberal than conservative. And 
that's true, but at the same time, it's worth remembering that being a liberal in the 1970s is not like being a liberal or a progressive. Oh, no. You know, like now. Jimmy Carter. Prob- Jim- yeah. I'm probably a 70s liberal. No, I, yeah. I mean, Jim- <laughs> Jimmy Carter. Yeah, that's right. Don't take that as a, don't, never use that against me in the future. Yeah, that's right. I, you know, you probably burned your bra. But no, but Jimmy Carter himself, you know, he was pro-life. You know, there wasn't this idea that you have multiple genders and they would have thought that was crazy. And now, of course, it, we're, we're in a different world. And yeah, I no, think they're just no, pushing no, back. The, These the things that the things that were totally sayable five years ago, for That's instance, right. as David oh, Brooks five years points ago. Out. Yeah, absolutely. Ten years uh-huh. ago, 15 years totally. ago. Yeah. So I think they're they're looking for someone who does not yeah. what is disrespect them, who That's does not right. think they are the root of all evil. Yeah. And I think they are more likely to find that on the right than the left. Yeah. And I think the fact there's a great, I did an interview on Barry Weiss's show, honestly, with Richard Reeves who yeah, wrote, of Men and Boys yes. about this problem. Now, he's a Brookings Institution guy. Mm-hmm. He's not some right winger. But he's like, look, can we just deal with the fact that in our quest for gender equality, which was righteous, and we gave women plenty of opportunities, women have now surpassed men in college education yep. attainment. And many other sort of benchmarks of American success. Mm-hmm. And the male population has not figured out its new role while women have figured out that they are girl power forever, right? Like that's yes. that has been the messaging. That's right. And yet we still treat the situation as if women are the ones who need all the help. Right. And it's like, nope, we need we actually need to we need to maybe shift a bit and concentrate on this population before they get left behind because they they top the the numbers for loneliness and suicides right. and uh, lack of educational attain- attainment or right. economic attainment, like a lot of very bad markers that we are sort of ignoring in favor of girl power T-shirts. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Until you're a man who says you're a girl, in which case we're back to favoring men. But what I, I yeah, it's very complicated, Vic. It is. But I, again, just going to say, sadly, not a surprise. And that wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you can follow me on Twitter at Victory Nematis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. And you can follow us, which you should, at Getting Hammered Podcast on Instagram and see what we're up to. Thank you for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. (laughs) 